T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. There's a song that says it never rains in Southern California. Well, that's not true. And uh, weather caused problems today for NASCAR out of Fontana, California. And it looks like they'll get the cup race in tomorrow. Uh, joining us to talk a little NASCAR, Jordan Bianchi joins from the Athletic on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Jordan, how you been? I'm doing well. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh Rain in Southern California, a little snow unusual. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they had snow, which was not uh, on my NASCAR bingo card. But here we are. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, the forecast is what the forecast is, and it's going to be questionable. But if there's a window, they'll they'll, they'll get it in. And it'll be interesting to see. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot of momentum to build off of last week's race at uh, at Daytona, and we'll you know a lot of positive things happen from that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I know uh, there's an Xfinity race scheduled. What, what's the status of that? Is that in trouble? Uh, well, their engines are fired. They literally just fired the engines, and they're going to try to get it in. I, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, there's noticeable rain in the area, and there's drops on all the television cameras. Um, but they're they're going to try. Yeah, and it, it looks for California, it, it, it's just crazy to see that because – you know, frankly, they're they're not used to this sort of stuff out there. Uh, th- this would be a great day in the Upper Midwest. Uh, we we'd settle for that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I guess it's all relative, right? If it's uh, you know, sometimes in Minnesota when it's twenty degrees, it feels like it's fifty degrees because it's yeah. it just depends. And right now, what you guys are experiencing, I uh, I don't envy you whatsoever. Uh, Jordan, let, let, let's go back to the Daytona five hundred first. Uh, let's talk about that. The one thing we know about. Uh, the super speedways or, or the tracks where they use restrictor mm-hmm. plates, and that is Daytona uh, for the 500, and then at Talladega Super Speedway, that uh, they run bunched up in packs, and there, there's always going to be wrecks that take out a lot of cars, and the owners have to know that. The car owners, have to, they're just going to have a lot of busted up sheet metal at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost kind of you go in there kind of expecting it to happen, and if you can get out of there without any damage in a car in one piece, you, it's, it's a win, and it's just the cost of doing business, right? I mean, you know, there's six races a year on these super speedways, two at Daytona, two at Talladega, two at Atlanta, and you just know, like, hey, there's a really good chance that we're not going to leave here with with a car intact. It's 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 expensive, and, you know, it's why some owners look at this and say, man, is this is this worth it? What are we doing here? But it, it's it's part of it. Yeah, and I know every time you see this and the big wrecks and even some of those wrecks where maybe a driver narrowly escapes serious injury, there's always talk, 
is it such a great idea to run these cars so close together? Can something be done to spread it out? Now, on the flip side, it's exciting. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> so uh, there, there's that balancing act, I'm sure, for the for the drivers, the team owners, sure. et cetera, looking at a show like Daytona where it like goes to overtime. It was the longest 500 in history. I mean, there, there was a lot going on. <laughs> there is, and, and these races, are you go into them, and I feel the same way. It's just not owners and drivers. It's fans and media. It's like you wonder, like, is it worth it? What is going on here? And especially, you know, you don't have the issues right now with cars flipping, and there's not – as serious of safety issues as there has been at past, but things can happen, and you wonder what what you know what can be done. And the reality is, unless you change the track itself, which it isn't going to happen, or you do something with the cars themselves, which probably isn't going to happen, you're kind of stuck with this package. Um, it's just a byproduct of you know, racing where the cars run in large packs, twenty, thirty cars sometimes, and there's nothing you can do about it, and you just you hope for the best and NASCAR has been this way. It's been this way in, in these speedways for a long time now, and it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. Yeah. And I, I just can't imagine what it's like for those drivers where, you know, it's too wide, you know, as you mm-hmm. pointed out, 25, 30 cars back. Mm-hmm. And then in some circumstances they get three wide. I mean, that, that is just got to be incredibly <laughs> nerve wracking for, for these guys. And I would assume that that type of racing is maybe the biggest reason that the, these drivers that get toward the end of their career, uh, name it Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon, sure. uh, Tony Stewart, the list goes on and on where it's like, it's time to move on. I need to get out of here. You're right. I mean, there's many a driver who has retired and said, hey, I, I, I want to continue to race on a part-time level, but that doesn't include super speedways. It's tough. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a really good example. He loves that kind of racing, but he also recognizes that it's it can be very tough. It can be hard on you, and it, it's, it's dangerous, and it's not something he does anymore. Other drivers are the same, and it's tough. The other difficulty is it's Daytona 500, right? It's NASCAR's biggest race. You want to win it, but there's a lot of risk that goes involved with it, and, you know, it's it's part of it, and you don't hear a lot of drivers say that they miss it when they step away. Yeah, um, on to Fontana, California, weather permitting, trying to get the Xfinity race in today, Cup tomorrow afternoon on Fox. And that's it for Fontana. Uh, there there are major changes coming to this track, and we, we still don't have a timetable for a return uh, to a regular Cup race in Southern California. No, we don't, and there are a lot of questions. It's, the track is going to be flipped over to a half-mile racetrack. The timetable you know, can be anywhere up to two years. We know they're not going to race in, in, in Fontana next year. NASCAR has said the likelihood that they race in 2025 is, I would say, eh, small. <laughs> and so I guess wow. we're looking at 2026, but there's a lot of complications with that, right? I mean, one, um, NASCAR really hasn't committed 100% to this, at least publicly, uh, they have sold off a huge chunk of land that as part of the racetrack, they still have enough to build uh, uh, to kind of transform the racetrack into a half mile how they want to and have enough for parking and everything. Uh, and it's also California where it can be very tough with you know regulations and stuff like that. Uh, it's going to be cost effective. Whether it's cost effective or not is something else to keep in mind. There's a supply chain issue. There's all sorts of just these question marks surrounding this and whether it can actually happen or not. It's kind of getting to the point where I'll believe it if I see it. I know when NASCAR said privately and publicly, the conversation I've had with people that say, hey, this is our plan going forward, but 
you know, until there's a shovel in the ground and until there's a plan that they're committing to, you, you, there's reason to doubt whether this is actually going to come to fruition. And, and they still raise in California uh, on the road course up at Sonoma in wine country. I would assume that's not going anywhere. No, I mean, that, that track is very much committed to it. They're, that track is, does very, very well. They have a good attendance there. It's in a different market than Southern California. Yep. Um, it, it's a good time of the year. And so, no, that, that isn't going anywhere. Um, but NASCAR does need to be in Southern California. It's that L.A. market is too valuable not to be. And it's going to be a question of what is that future of NASCAR in L.A.? You know, in LA? Is that racing at the Coliseum like we saw a few weeks ago at the Clash? That was an exhibition race. You can just do that and be done with it does that race become a points race which brings all sorts of other questions into play do you figure out another solution whether it's fontana or a different racetrack it's going to be something to keep an eye on really over the next few years but if you're nascar you've got to figure out a way to maintain a presence in the la market jordan bianchi joining us on the john schuster coldwell banker hotline covers motorsports nascar for the athletic um looking forward uh it, it also is in my opinion a challenge and i i know the the guys who drive the haulers and get these uh cars ready yep. uh daytona to california and then uh las vegas coming up uh phoenix so i guess they will be out west for a little bit and i i know the drivers are compensated well and the drivers generally fly on private jets so let's not worry about the drivers <laughs> but you know, you, you talk about Southern California, but it's not really a long haul to Las Vegas. There's a lot of folks from Southern California that'll spend the weekend in Las Vegas having fun, and that show is coming up. And, and Vegas has become a very important market for the sport. It has. They have two races there now, one the playoff race and then one in the spring. And it's become a destination if you're a NASCAR fan. Like, go out there. The way they set up the schedule is, like, you can, you know, do your things during the day, go check the NASCAR race out in the afternoon, late afternoon, and then you're back at the casinos or, you know, shows by the evening. So it is a pretty cool thing. And to go out there, it is pretty special because it, it does feel like NASCAR kind of takes over that town, and it's a big deal. So the spring race is always fun. The playoff race to me is a, is a great time as well. It's kind of the race that uh, I look forward to. And Vegas is one of those cities that has really done a good job of welcoming NASCAR. And it's, it's, especially if you're in Minnesota this time of year, there's a lot worse places to be than Las Vegas in March. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that it, and I, I would say NASCAR was really a trailblazer to, to embrace yeah. Las Vegas. I know the NHL has followed suit. The NFL is in there. The NBA and not, uh, will, will be in Las Vegas soon. Major League Baseball, the Oakland A's may end up there. But, you know, in reality, NASCAR – uh, was was really the first to jump in there and do an annual show out there. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Like you're right. I mean, LA. I mean, Las Vegas has become that market now, and it's become a hot sports town where the other leagues have now embraced it and want to have franchises located there. And it's like NASCAR was doing this long before, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. They've been racing in Vegas since the mid '90s, and it's it's interesting to see. And it's, it's Vegas has really become a, a fun sports town. You know, it's always been because of the sports books and everything, but overall, it's great to see. I mean, I saw a hockey game. I saw the Golden Knights play there a few years ago, and it's one of the best atmospheres around. It's incredible. So it's it's really cool. The sports town. It's fun. Lots to do. And, and you're right. NASCAR is really kind of the the, the trailblazer there. Yeah, and uh, they, they've done a nice job. And it, and it's kind of one of the last mile and a half standing. There were a ton of those. I know there's Kansas and others, but, you know, Las Vegas, I guess, has stood the test of time because it is such an important attraction. And then beyond that, Phoenix, 
uh, short track in the desert. They get two shows a year, and that's always very popular. I've been out there in the fall before it was the championship race, and that that's another great attraction as well. A lot of NASCAR fans in the Southwest, as you can see. Absolutely, and and if you can go out there now, you can go out there in the fall. It's a good time. The race, the championship race, usually delivers there. Sold out crowd, lots to do. Um, Phoenix is one of those towns too, but it's there's so much to do, and it's so beautiful that people don't always appreciate it or recognize it as a, as a great sports town. But it's one of those great stops on the, on the NASCAR circuit. All right, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won the Daytona 500. Uh, big deal in the points. Joey Logano right there. Um, any any takeaways? I know it's early. You can't draw a lot of conclusions out of the Daytona 500 or over the long haul. Is because, you know, sometimes a guy who wins a 500, no guarantee they're going to have a great year. Yeah, and that's the thing. And But I will say this. The one takeaway is that now there's a driver in the playoffs in Ricky Santos Jr. who I don't think anybody expected to be in the playoffs. And now that's one less spot for a driver that yeah. we thought. And so it's kind of upheaval now to see what happens. And you go back a year ago, it was kind of chaos. You had all of these different winners, and getting in the playoffs was extremely tough, tougher than it's ever been. And the way it's one race into the season, there's every expectation that's going to be a lot like last year. It's going to be interesting to see. And Stenhouse winning Daytona really changes the complexion on who's going to get in and who's going to miss out. Yeah, so just uh, one last spot for the, the favorites. Jordan, hey, good to visit with you. Uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that they get it in tomorrow out at Fontana. And then uh, we'll, we'll visit with you down the road. Look forward to it. Look forward to it, Steve. Always a pleasure, and uh, best to you. All right, Jordan Bianchi covers NASCAR for the Athletic. And uh, weather problems in Southern California. They had snow uh, in parts of California. I know they get a ton in the mountains, don't don't get me wrong, but uh, in, in areas that normally don't get snow have been getting snow. 519, still a lot more to come. Wild hockey, how active should the Wild be? Ahead of the trade deadline, what should Bill Guerin do? Dean Mizutani has some thoughts on that. They had a pretty good road trip. He'll join us following the weather here on News Talk. E3O-WCCO. 524 here at News Talk. E3O-WCCO. Tough day for the Golden Gophers. Uh, They get beat. Men's hoops at Nebraska today. Uh, One of the positives, the Gophers go... 11 of 11 from the free throw line, but ultimately lose the game. And their miserable 22-23 season uh, continues. And they, they just can't get a break. Final 78-67. And they have one win in the Big Ten this season. They're now 1-16. and 16. Uh, here in the 22-23 season. And Marcus Fuller of the Star Tribune reported that Dennis Evans, that five-star recruit out of California, wants out. Uh, He had signed a letter of intent. And I I don't know how you hold a player to that anyway. I'm not sure the national letter of intent. Let's face it, with the transfer portal and so on and so forth. I mean, uh, would they make the kid come? No, of course not. So um, 
well, the letter of intent is uh, a nice ceremony, and I know high schools have have an event when someone signs that letter of intent, and and that's great. But but if he says I want out, a lot of people are wondering why. Well, I've got a few reasons. Uh, number one, the team's not playing very well. Here's a five-star recruit, and people around him are saying, and and see the losses mount, and say, you're really going to go there? I mean, that, that's got to weigh in a kid. His friends are saying they're, they don't win. They're not competitive. And, and those are facts. Sure, they have a young team, Ben Johnson, in his second year. But the fact of the matter is they are not competitive. They, they are not getting it done on the court. They had a tough year a year ago. And this year has been worse. Um, so that is a factor in all of it. They're terrible. So you, you can look at some of the other reasons. You could always bring up the weather. Here's a kid from California, and maybe friends and family have said, you're going to go to school there? They, they just had a, a, a blizzard. Um, I don't know. So, so you got bad team, bad weather for a kid from California. And we all know name, image, and likeness money and the transfer portal has changed college sports. And who knows? Maybe there are name, image, and likeness money opportunities elsewhere. That could be a part of it. Another one I'm going to bring up, and I I don't want anybody to get angry about this, and you might, but I'm going to start by saying I love Williams Arena. Some of my best sports memories come at the barn, whether it's as as a youngster going to a Golden Gopher men's basketball arena at, uh, uh, young basketball fan going to Williams Arena. I, I believe the first game I ever went to as a young fan was Minnesota taking on Purdue. And at the time, Purdue had Joe Barry Carroll playing for him. So we'll, we'll jump into the Wayback Machine. And neighbors took us to this game, and they had great seats down by the court. He was a dentist, had really nice seats down low. And I'll never forget that experience being at Williams Arena for, for that game against Purdue and Joe Barry Carroll. So my point being is, I love Williams Arena. Um, later in my career, being able to call games at Williams Arena. Uh, a couple of Golden Gold for games after Ray Christensen retired. Uh a, a true honor, calling state tournament games at Williams Arena, whether it's here on the radio or on a cable or, or streaming service. Love the barn, but when when you bring a young recruit, an 18, 19-year-old kid 
into Williams Arena do they look around and go, wow, look at the history of this place. I don't think it shows well anymore. And as hard as it is, it either needs a major renovation or something else, a new building at the U. Memorial Stadium was torn down. Eventually, Huntington Bank Stadium was built after some years in the Metrodome. They built a new Mariucci Arena once upon a time. And maybe it's time. Now, I'm not saying that Dennis Evans said no to the U because of the barn, but these are all factors in it. Bad team having a terrible year. They get beat again today. They've won one game in the Big Ten. Name, image, likeness, money. The weather here in the upper Midwest. Got to be a little scary for a kid from California. And then the fact that you got a venue that, yeah, it's seen better days. Um, All factors going forward, in my opinion. And I love the barn. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's ours, but does that impress recruits? In, in reality, if you're not from here, you can go to a lot of venues in the Big Ten or around the country. My, my youngest daughter went to the University of Arizona. You go into McHale, and that, that's an older building, but it's got an NBA feel to it. It doesn't feel like a building that's 100 years old with narrow corridors and um, outside of about 8,000 seats, crummy sight lines. I mean, there's there's a lot of bad seats in the barn. Um, so they're all factors in this situation. Uh, speaking of Golden Goat for men's hoops, they'll, they'll try and get some Ws. They get Rutgers at that barn on Thursday, and then on Sunday, one week from tomorrow, they get Williams Arena, then it's uh, uh, Wisconsin at Williams Arena, and then it's on to the Big Ten Tournament. 532, quick break. We'll have an update on the weather here at News Talk. E3O-WCCO. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
Twins beat the Rays 8-4 to on the radio, lose to the Orioles, split squad day. They are back at it tomorrow. Joe Ryan will pitch against the Phillies in Clearwater. No radio there. They're back on the radio Monday. High noon start against the Red Sox from JetBlue. Uh, selected spring training games uh, throughout the spring, and then all 162 during the regular season. Timberwolves begin a West Coast road trip. They will be in San Francisco to play Golden State Sunday night. Our pregame begins at 6. Tip just after 6.30 with Alan Horton here on the home of the Timberwolves. Wild, they are idle today. They get back at it tomorrow at home. It's a matinee at the XL Energy Center. They'll play the Columbus Blue Jackets. Wild coming off a pretty good road trip. They got beat by Toronto 2-1 to Friday night in overtime. And Dane Mizutani of the Pioneer Press joins us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Dane, good to visit with you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. How are you, Steve? Yeah, good. And uh, the the Wild uh, get some points. Uh, they they take down the Blue Jackets. They get a point in Toronto, and and they're on a bit of a point streak right now. And that's exactly what they needed. Yeah, coming out of the All Star break, I think people were wondering, like, are they going to be sellers at the trade deadline? Are they going to miss the playoffs completely? Uh, it shows how fickle the league is and how quickly things can change uh, because a couple of weeks later, the Wild are sitting in third place in the Central Division heading into today's slate of games, one point back of Winnipeg in the Central Division for second place and two points back of the Dallas Stars in the Central Division for first place. So things change quickly in the, in the NHL, and, and you're, you're right. Um, they, they, they gathered some points, managed to kind of, dig themselves out of you know a little bit of a midseason slump and um, five one and two in their last eight so uh, you know points points galore and that's exactly what the wild were looking for coming out of the all-star break when when things weren't going so well yeah and it, it, this kind of got the feel of the nba's western conference where there's a lot of teams within shouting distance and you know the timberwolves for example if they go into a slump, could find themselves on the outside looking in, and the Wild are in the same spot, as you pointed out, in the division, a real log jam among the top three, and then you look at the wild card, you got Seattle, Colorado, uh, Calgary lurks a little bit, so, I mean, I mean it, it is far from over, and it'll probably go down to the final week to sort it out. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think it'll definitely go down to the very end. Um, it's certainly, I think logjam is the perfect way to describe it. Um, you mentioned those teams in the wild card race. The wild right now are, are third in the central division, but you know, depending what happens today and tomorrow could be in, in, into that wild card discussion, um, Colorado, Seattle, and Calgary. Uh, the good news for the wild, uh, regardless of how, how, how down to the wire this thing's going to get, it seems like it's only going to be those teams because you, you look at the West of the, the rest of the Western Conference below the playoff cut line, Nashville. They just traded Nino Niederreiter today. They, they are clearly going to go into sell mode. Uh, the St. Louis Blues, they were chasing the Wild for a little bit, and they were chasing down one of the card spots. They traded Ryan O'Reilly last week. Um, and then there's a significant drop-off from there. So they're really – there's like five or six teams duking it out for probably four or five spots. Uh, it'll be interesting to see – um, but certainly the Wild are going to need to play play very, very well down the stretch here. Um, they, they cannot afford any lulls um, because it's so tight, like you mentioned. Dean Muzutani joining us from the Pioneer Press covers the Wild. 
uh, spends time on the Viking Beak uh, in Viking season as well. Uh, Dane, if you had Bill Guerin's ear, general manager of the Wild, do you, do you get the sense that you know they're, they're going to add as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline? It's tough because Bill Guerin has come out and said on the record a couple of times uh, he doesn't want to trade high-end draft picks, and he doesn't want to trade top prospects within the farm system. Um, some rate the wild farm system as number one in, in the league. Um, so it seems like Bill Guerin wants to kind of put himself in a good position for the future. Uh, but talk to Bill Guerin for like 10 minutes, and you understand the dude is super competitive. There's a reason he won Stanley Cups when he was a player. There's a reason he won Stanley Cups as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins front office. Uh, if he sees an opportunity to make the team better, regardless of the impact it could have on the future of the, the franchise, he's going to do it. I, I think he understands, like, any year with Kirill Kaprizov is a year sh- you should be trying to win the Stanley Cup. So I think a couple of weeks ago, Bill Guerin was thinking, okay, maybe I'll sit this deadline out. I would not be surprised if he made a deal at, at some point before Friday's trade deadline. Um, you've seen the Wild be active using their cap space in the last couple of weeks. Um, I mentioned Ryan O'Reilly getting traded from the St. Louis Blues. The Wild kind of were a middleman in that deal, um, helped take on a little bit of cap so the, the Toronto Maple Leafs could, could get Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, the Wild did the same thing. Uh, Washington Capitals trade Dmitry Orlov. Um, the Wild take on some salary cap for the Boston Bruins. That has netted them some draft capital. Um, it's It's been them using their cap space as a weapon. Uh, but they have that cap space, and I think if Bill Guerin sees a deal out there that's going to make the Wild better down the stretch, He's going to do it. I mean, you just look at what he did last year. March 21st, the Wild are getting ready for a game against the Golden Knights. Bang, he trades for Marc-Andre Fleury. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think Bill Guerin's a super competitive guy. I think he understands that in the playoffs it just takes, a, you know, a few hot weeks, um, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the conference finals playing for, you know, a, a chance to go to the Stanley Cup. So uh, I would not be surprised at all if, if he made a move um, it's just a matter of how big is that move going to be. In that, Philip Gustafson's been a, a tremendous story for the Wild this year. But as of late, better play out of Mark andre Fleury. And as we all know, uh, goaltending, a huge part of it. It goes without saying, whatever level of hockey, uh, from, from mites all the way up, you, you got to get good goaltending. Yeah, definitely. And, and, Mark Andre Fleury admitted after the the Columbus game, um, you know, he he pitched a shutout two nights ago against the Columbus Blue Jackets, one of the worst teams in the league. But nonetheless, it was a huge confidence boost for Fleury uh, because I think he was fighting it for a while, and I think he admitted he was a little bit in his own head. Um, so to see him go out, perform really really well, uh, make some incredible saves in in net, and get rewarded with the shutout, um, that's big for the Wild. It's huge for Fleury and his confidence. Um, because like you mentioned, Philip Gustafson is playing the best hockey of his career at this point. Um, some people think he's pushing for that number one spot. Truth be told, Marc-Andre Fleury is the number one goaltender for the Minnesota Wild. Um, but if you have both of those guys firing on all cylinders, playing you know at the top of their game, it's going to make the Wild pretty dangerous come playoff time. Um, at this point, if, if they can continue to get solid starts from their goaltenders, um, they're playing really, really well defensively in their own zone. Um, and it's just a matter of can you score? Can, can they put the puck in the back of the net? If they can figure all those three, three things out in, in concert, uh, I really think the Wild could be a, a team that nobody wants to face in the playoffs. 
One other story that, that kind of stands out is uh, the Wild a year ago, a freewheeling, high-scoring club uh, early in the year, pretty terrible on the back end. They gave up a ton of goals. I, I, I can't even remember. You know, 20 goals in the first three games was just a nightmare of a start. Mm-hmm, they have mm-hmm. really tightened it up. Talk a little bit about the back end and what's changed there and, and, and why they are playing so well and are so stingy. Yeah, I think they've realized, like, last year was somewhat of an anomaly when, when you look at it. Um, they were winning games 6-5. They were coming back from two goals down and, and scoring with, with the goaltender pulled. And it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun. The team, you know, it was, they were easy to rally around because they were so excited. Every game was kind of must-see television. Not a sustainable model for success, as we saw in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like, if you can't just run and gun with all these teams and, 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 and hope to, to outscore every team in the NHL, especially come the playoffs. So that was something the Wild really put an emphasis on in the offseason, uh, getting back to their roots, being really hard to play against, being super defensive in their own zone. Um, and kind of letting, you know, as Dean Evans would say, if they play defensively, um, the offense kind of translates from there. You've seen that. Um, you mentioned the start, Steve. That was alarming. Um, they couldn't get a save. They were they were awful in their own zone. Uh, but as, like, the season has progressed, and I think especially over these past few weeks, um, you've seen them really buckle down, really ratchet up the defensive play in their own zone. Uh, and because of that, I really, like I said, I think they're a dangerous team. Um, if they can kind of get some offense, that's going to be, it's weird to think about because last year uh, this team was so offensive this year, the team is so good defensively and it, it's lacking offensive firepower. If they can figure it all out, get it all at the same time. Um, watch out. The, the, the team could be someone who, you know, nobody really wants to play in the playoffs. As we get closer to the deadline, are, are there any familiar phases that could be on the move? There have been a lot of rumors. Matt Dumba has been, you know, mentioned, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I, I suppose, you know, anything's on the table uh, beyond Kirill Kaprizov. That, that's probably the only untouchable. Yeah, I think anything's on the table, but I would honestly be pretty shocked if, if Matt Dumble was moved at this point. Um, Bill Guerin likes where his game's at, and also Jonas Brodeen is on the shelf for the foreseeable future as he kind of nurses. Yeah a lower body injury that kept getting re-aggravated while giving him some chance to get, you know, some time to get right um, before the games really, really start to matter. See, you lose a guy like Jonas Brodeen, you can't just trade Matt Dumba. I, yeah. I know Matt Dumba became someone a lot of people, you know, like, like the place to blame on whenever things got tough for the wild. Uh, but he's, if, if you look at it, ever, ever since he got scratched in that game, um, you know, I would say a month, a month and a half ago, he's been playing about as good of hockey as he's played all season. Um, so I think for as long as Matt Dumba is in town and that might just be through the rest of this season because his contract expires, he's going to be someone the wild fans kind of look to and blame when things get tough. Uh, but right now he's playing really well and, and he's kind of someone the wild can't afford to, to be without. Um, so I would be pretty surprised if he was moved I know Jordan Greenway's name was on the block. I, I know Kalen Addison's name was on the block. But with the way the Wild have been playing as of late, um, I just don't see Bill Guerin subtracting from this team. I see him adding, if anything. Um, so to answer your question really, really long-windedly, Steve, uh, I don't really see anyone on the move in, yeah. unless it's a hockey trade that really brings in another talented player that can help down the stretch. 
Well, Dana, always good to visit with you. Great stuff, as always. Uh, you can read his work in the paper, of course, or online at TwinCities.com. Have a good evening. Thanks, you too, Steve. All right, Dane Mizutani on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Wild matinee tomorrow against Columbus. Yeah, great day to get the kids out to the rink. One o'clock start, Columbus in town. And, you know, that that's one of those. You return to home ice, get two points. Columbus, 18-35-5. Got to get that done. Uh, then uh, the New York Islanders up next uh, for the Wild on home ice. And then with State Wrestling coming to town, they make another trip to the Northwest Division or the old Northwest Division where they get the Canucks and the Flames before returning to St. Paul a week from Tuesday with the Calgary Flames. 5.49, we'll have a girls' state hockey tournament update in a moment here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. Timberwolves back at it tomorrow night. Four-game California swing in the Bay Area to take on the Golden State Warriors. Coverage begins at 6. Cal Soderquist with the play-by-play. Or with the pregame, Alan Horton with all the play-by-play tomorrow night. Uh, third round of the Honda Classic down in Florida in the books. Chris Kirk, your leader by two over Eric Cole. Justin Saw, three back, Shane Lowry in a group four off the lead. So not a lot of big names at the Honda. Of course, uh, the Players' Championship coming up. Among the biggies down in Florida, and then in early August, that little tournament, and it goes to Georgia. So uh, the countdown to the players, and then beyond that, uh, the Masters. Twins win, beat Tampa Bay 8-4. to They lose to Baltimore, uh, split squad. Great to hear spring training games on the radio. I, I mean, I, I'm in a good mood to hear a ball game on the radio again. When uh, Chris Hatterberry and Dan Gladden kind of signed on and got us going today at noon, like yes, Josh, I don't know how you felt about it, but that 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 is a good feeling. I know it's still February; it's got a long way to go to opening day, but to hear the Grapefruit League on the radio again was good. Yeah, it almost feels surreal, doesn't it? I mean, it feels yeah. like we are just kind of feels like just yesterday we were wrapping up the season in October and. You know, ready to wait another six months, and here we are right back in it. To hear Danny gliding on the airwaves yet again is just incredible. I mean, granted, they are in Florida. wish I was there as well, but you know what? It's great to have baseball back on the airwaves, and it definitely feels feels like spring baseball already here in Minneapolis, at least a little yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, a long way to target field. They, they've got work to do. We need uh, some warmer weather. Tip of the cap, though. Uh, to producer Dan Cook and Jason DeRosha, they did an outstanding job this past week uh, doing their shows, drive time with DeRosha between 3 and 6 all week. That was a lot of fun as well uh, down at Fort Myers. Kind of fun. Yeah, it, that, that was really good stuff. And I know you were in studio for that. Yeah. So, so Dan and J.D. got to head to Florida, and then Josh Wheeler was in studio. Perks of so, being the new guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was it was a lot of fun. It was kind of it was cool to hear they talked yesterday. I think at the uh, Ford uh, Edison Ford Estates down there, and I've actually been down there the one time I've been to Fort Myers. It's really cool because there's a lot of history to that building, not just baseball but other stuff. But 
yeah, lots of great content. Obviously, people can go back and podcast all the great interviews and stuff from this week. But it was a really fun week kind of getting ready for Twins uh, baseball yet again. And we have a ton of Twins coverage beyond the spring training games on the radio. Twins and Phillies tomorrow, no radio there. Joe Ryan will pitch in Clearwater back on the radio on Monday at noon. It'll be the Twins and the Red Sox. By the way, girls, hockey class A title game. Uh, inside of four minutes to go in the third period, defending champ number one seed Warroad leading number three seed Orono three to one. Once again, closing in on three to go in the game. Warroad leading Orono three to one tonight. Two A title game, defending champ Andover. The number two seed takes on the number four seed Gentry Academy. And just to quickly recap, in Double A. Third place to Edina, they beat Minnetonka. Consolation to Moorhead, they beat Rosemont 5-1. to In uh, 1A, South St. Paul wins third, beating Proctor Hermantown 3-2 in overtime. And it was Mankato East this morning over at Tria Rink, beating Fergus Falls 4-3. And congrats to all of the teams at the Girls State Hockey Tournament. And Another tip of the cap to St. Paul, the XL Energy Center, and the Wild Practice Facility over at Tria Rink. Uh, good stuff. I did a couple of games there this morning. Uh, the A and AA uh, Constellation Championship games. And that, that, that is one of my favorite rinks in town. It's right on the roof of the old Dayton's downtown. R- really a cool spot. All right, we got to run. Let's get you up to date on that weather. We have all the news at 6 coming up. Here on a Saturday night. Oh, by the way, our sports coverage continues. The Huddle Dave Schwartz, Pete Nigerian between 10 and noon. And then Rob Driesline from the Outdoor News between 5 and 6. Timberwolves on the radio tomorrow night. Pre-game at 6 with Cal. They'll be in San Francisco to play Golden State. All right, weather-wise tonight, clear, low near 6. Tomorrow, sunny and 35. Rain in on Monday and 38. Clouds Tuesday, 37. Maybe a little snow on Wednesday and 27. By the end of the week, back into the 30s and sunny. Maybe 40 next Saturday. Josh Wheeler, our producer, a big thanks to him. Big thanks to you for tuning in. I'm Steve Thompson. Have a great Saturday night. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.